Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg Law. I'm Madison Mills in for June Grasso this week. Well, J.P. Morgan has agreed to pay $290 million to settle a lawsuit alleging it knowingly benefited from former client Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking. That's according to a person familiar with the matter and Bloomberg News reporting. So joining us now to discuss this is Hannah Levitt, Bloomberg News finance reporter. Hannah, thank you so much for being with us on the line. Just give me the context here for anyone who hasn't been following. Uh, what, What are the charges here and what are the details of the lawsuit? Hey, thank you so much for having me. So um, an unnamed victim of Jeffrey Epstein sued J.P. Morgan, the biggest U.S. bank, uh, late last year, um, alleging, as you said, that it knowingly benefited from uh, Epstein's sex trafficking. So Epstein was a client of J.P. Morgan from the late 90s until 2013. Um, Now, remember, Jeffrey Epstein was, um, you know, indicted in Florida in 2006. Um, and, you know, then again, arrested in 2019, um, and went to jail and that's where he died. So this was coming up, you know, really a couple of years after that, um, it kind of reignited this, uh, really this storm across wall street, as far as like ties to Epstein. And can you help me contextualize the number here? 290 million. Is that a drop in the bucket for JP Morgan? How does that square for them? Um, yeah, I mean, they've, they've been fined, you know, I think they were, they paid something like 900 million to settle, uh, spoofing charges a couple of years ago. There might've been some more in that. Um, but yeah, they paid 250 million, um, a little more than a year ago to settle the, that WhatsApp probe about, um, Mm -hmm. you know, communicating with clients on, on unauthorized channels. So that would be the one, the closest kind of comparison in recent memory um, as far as what it means to J.P. Morgan. And so what does the the payout tell us in terms of J.P. Morgan's accountability here? And, and what are what's the bank saying about that accountability? Yeah, so what we um, reported citing sources is that the bank is not making ad- admissions of liability as part of the settlement. So that's, you know, what we're expecting. Uh to be the line from from them. And they've been fighting this lawsuit in another lawsuit uh, from the U.S. Virgin Islands over their ties to Epstein, you know, pretty vigorously. So, um, yeah, I would say that, you know, Jamie Dimon himself, uh, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, you know, he's been deposed as part of this. He's said repeatedly that he never met Jeffrey Epstein or knew who he was, things like that. But he's um, said that, you know, their hearts got victims and things like that. So, 
this kind of, I mean, the fact that they settled with the victims is not a huge surprise in that sense. Mm. And, and you mentioned some other lawsuits, including the one by the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, where he had a private retreat, Epstein, and, and brought several of his victims previously. Um, can you tell me anything that we might know about that lawsuit and, and whether or not, you know, the outcome of today has any sort of impact on that lawsuit or what bank executives are thinking about that one as well? Yeah, so that one's ongoing. It was filed around the same time as um, the the victim one was filed. Um, and, you know, as of today, as of right now, uh, that one is still going on. And then J.P. Morgan also turned around in March and sued one of their former executives, Jeff Staley, um, you know, seeking to blame him for their ties, uh, for the firm's ties to Epstein, saying he misled them and things like that. So the, both of those are still ongoing. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that suit against Jess Staley as well. Uh, have you learned anything else from your sources about what that might look like for the bank and, and from Staley's perspective as well? Yeah, I mean, there, there's been nothing new about that today. Uh, there was, that was, you know, not part of the J.P. Morgan settlement with the victims other than that what, you know, part of what J.P. Morgan is seeking in uh, their suit against Staley is for him to be liable for you know, any any damages or anything like that that they pay out um, to these plaintiffs. So that will be something to watch. But there were no updates today. Uh, however, Staley was deposed over the weekend. And so we've written um, a bit about that. Yeah, and that it happened, basically. And that's kind of unprecedented, right? That's a pretty big deal to kind of sue Staley through a, a third party complaint. Yeah, I, I would describe it as it, it was a dramatic turn in uh this saga when it happened. Yeah. And this is kind of a question across Wall Street, because there are so many associations with Epstein from other institutions as well. Do you anticipate any other banks getting swept up in this beyond JP Morgan? Yeah, so Deutsche Bank actually settled with, uh, so when Epstein left JP Morgan, he went to Deutsche Bank, that's where he was a client, and they settled um, with victims for 75 million, I believe, um, something in that ballpark uh, fairly recently. So beyond Deutsche Bank, though, we think that is that the kind of final for now, the final shoe to drop when it comes to the for names? Now, yeah. So the two banks that have really been uh, in the spotlight over this are Jacob Morgan and Deutsche Bank. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just continue to think about the bank kind of making no admission of liability in connection with the settlement, which we learned from your reporting you know, do do we anticipate any pushback from that lack of admission of liability from clients, investors in the bank? Or is this just kind of, you know, a payout that is going to silence the conversation and, and distance J.P. Morgan from the, the Epstein ongoing saga as a whole? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I haven't, like, even the, um, you know, David Boyd, who's one of the attorneys for um, Jane Doe, said today in his statement that, you know, it's a great day for Jeffrey Epstein survivors, a great day for justice. Um, so that was the reaction we saw from him. And then, yeah, I, I haven't heard anything to the contrary as far as like, you know, from the clients or things like that or any spillover. I think as far as, you know, the wider J.P. Morgan apparatus was concerned, it, it was a bit, I mean, it's been six months of just, you know, the drip drip of more emails released and things like that. So I think it was, um, and, and, and these things are all, you know, a decade old at this point. So it was, 
probably, you know, people are looking forward to putting this behind them uh, inside Jason Morgan. Well, and speaking of kind of your other reporting when it comes to J.P. Morgan dealing with this, uh, help our audience, remind our audience about the executive within J.P. Morgan who um, has had some emails with Jeffrey Epstein unveiled in, in recent weeks. Yeah, so I had a story out today about Mary Erdos, who is the longtime uh, chief of the Asset and Wealth Management Unit at J.P. Morgan. Um, she actually succeeded Jeff Bailey atop of the private bank when he got promoted um, to the head of that unit in 2005. And then uh, when he got moved over to the investment bank in 2009, she succeeded him atop asset and wealth management, where she still is today. Um, and so she's the one, you know, as far as still still remaining J.P. Morgan executives, you know, people who haven't left the firm and things like that, um, who has, you know, she's had emails coming out of this thing this whole time. Um, you know, she was, she ran the private bank and then all of asset and wealth management. So that's, you know, she, she has been contending with that. And in our final couple of minutes together, can you walk me through a little bit more of what was in those emails and, and what it tells us about uh, not just Mary's connection with Epstein, but the bank's broader connection with him? Yeah, I mean, there are a ton. I think the uh, number for the emails exchanged between Staley and Epstein during Staley's time at J.P. Morgan itself was more than a thousand. So we're looking at, you know, a lot of a lot of emails, and a lot of uh, discovery materials that were then, you know, sifted through and, and put into these lawsuits and things like that. I mean, it's everything from, you know, scheduling to trying to at one point, um, you know, Epstein was portraying himself as a close advisor to Bill Gates and trying to set up a meeting with people at J.P. Morgan for a fund, his idea for a fund and things like that. So it was really kind of all over the board about uh, over things like that. Yeah, I'm just reading your story. One of the quotes uh, from Epstein that he wrote to Mary Eros and her uh, predecessor, former mentor, Jess Daly, in an email uh, saying, I'm well aware of my current unfortunate rainbow. I am also aware that JPM has a colorful, colorful array of clients. So that kind of says it all. Hannah Levitt, thank you so much for joining us. Hannah Levitt is a Bloomberg News finance reporter. You are listening to Bloomberg Law. Stick with us here. We've got more coming up right now. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg Law. I'm Madison Mills in for June Grasso this week. Big acquisition news today. NASDAQ has agreed to buy financial software maker Adenza from its private equity owner and the U.S. exchange operator's biggest ever deal. We're talking 
$10.5 billion. So Kat Doherty is here with me to discuss. She's a Bloomberg News finance reporter. Kat, great to speak with you. Talk to me about what we need to know about this deal. What are your sources saying today? Well, everyone is talking about the size. Um, Yes, it is NASDAQ's uh, would-be biggest deal should it pass regulatory approval, which they are expecting uh, will come within six to nine months. But the the, the cost of this is not nothing. Um, They're paying for it with a combination of cash and equity. Um, Toma Bravo, the the owner of Adenza, is going to be taking a nearly 15% stake in NASDAQ. Um, that's among going to be among one of the biggest stakes that of any NASDAQ investor group. So that's something to look out for. And, and I think something I heard a lot of people ask about today. Um, and also they, they get a board seat. So there's a lot of um, collaboration, cross-collaboration between Toma Bravo and NASDAQ, which is not unusual to see some pretty big players in the finance markets um, come forward and collaborate in this way. Um, but we haven't seen anything that kind of matches it to this scale. Um, so the, the But the valuation is is something that uh, NASDAQ's going to have to think about in terms of mm-hmm. the debt that they're going to have to take on. They're issuing um, some debt to, to pay for this acquisition. That's going to increase their leverage. Now, they've taken on debt and increased leverage before in previous acquisitions, and they've proven that they can take down that leverage over time and through cost synergies and and using cash that they generate from these deals to pay down debt. Um, But that's still a question. It's not necessarily a guarantee. Mm. So those are some of the things that people are thinking about with this deal. And is the market sense of this deal that it's a little overpriced? Is that why we're seeing a dip in the NASDAQ stock today? Well, it is more, I believe, than what Toma Bravo paid for. There were two companies that they bought. They were very well known. The first, uh, Calypso Technology. The second, Axiom SL. They combined those two to create Adenza recently. Uh, and I believe that the cost that NASDAQ is paying for it is more. Um, that being said, I th- the the, re- the rationale that NASDAQ has has uh, given investors as to the, the price is um, that they say this is a going to, to be a huge cash generator for them. They don't see a, a problem with um, taking on the you know new debt and, and giving this equity stake, but it is um, something that they're going to have to manage and they're going to have to monitor um, the potentially higher expenses yeah. um, when you take on a new company like this. And um, it's just going to be uh, another, um, it's going to be another uh, really pain point for them yeah, that they're going to have yeah. to get through um, so that on the other side, they can show investors, hey, here's something that they're saying there is is a yeah. uh, a a boon for our business. Yep. They they think of it as a great deal. It's just whether or not investors view it in the same way. Well, and they're saying that it's potentially a tailwind for them because of banking pressures. Can so you explain that? It was interesting today on call with investors, there was a question that was asked. I wish I had thought of this question, which was a lot of Adenza's clients are um, banks and brokers, and the, the banking sector has been under a lot of pressure recently. So they were asking NASDAQ, is that an issue for this deal? Is it something that complicates the deal in any way? And their answer to that was, uh, no, in fact, this is something that we see as an opportunity. The reason for that being uh, Denza's offerings um, specifically deal with regulatory and risk management. So if banks are facing 
further or more regulation um, and risks to their business, they're going to engage and use the this software um, potentially in a new or um, increased way. So NASDAQ is saying, great, this is something that we're going to actually be able to uh, help clients with rather than have it be hurting their business. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. This is Bloomberg Law. I'm Madison Mills in for June Grasso throughout the week. Come back to listen to us and we'll make you smarter on all the legal news that you need to know. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.